Hey, this morning as we jump into it, I thought I would start with a little something that looks like this. Every time he goes for a swim, dolphins appear. His reputation is expanding faster than the universe. He once had an awkward moment just to see how it feels. He lives vicariously through himself. When in Rome, they do as he does. The police often question him just because they find him interesting. He has inside jokes with complete strangers. He's been known to cure narcolepsy just by walking into the room. He's a lover, not a fighter. But he's also a fighter, so don't get any ideas. He is the life of parties he never attended. He wouldn't be afraid to show his feminine side if he had one. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. <laughs> Stay thirsty, mis amigos. Uh, the, the hardest part about getting that video was to get the staff to pretend I was interesting. Uh, we're starting this morning jumping into a... a, a how, many, how many people have seen the Dos Equis commercials from a, what, years ago, right? The Dos Equis commercials are the great. At a time when other beer commercials were doing like young people on the beach wearing bathing suits, Dos Equis doubled down on a senior citizen. Like they grabbed this old guy who, who was kind of distinguished looking and he looked like he had lived life to the fullest and he was continuing to live life to the absolute fullest. And it was a huge success, not just for beer sales, but also for the actor himself. This actor who was 70 years old for the first time, it was the first time he'd ever done anything that anybody knew him from and suddenly he was super recognizable and he was very successful. They tried to replace him with a younger actor and it absolutely flopped. That, that they did about two commercials and they were done with it with the most interesting man in the world. So here's the thing about it. Nobody wants to live a boring, average, forgettable life. Nobody wants to live like that. We all want to be successful and interesting people. When I am 70 years old, I still want to be the most interesting guy I can be, preferably with a full-grown white beard and living on a yacht or something like that, right? Uh, that's what we all want to be. Here's the thing. In the ancient world, it's no exaggeration to say that Solomon probably was the most interesting man in the world. He was the most interesting man in the world. Last week, as we saw... Oh, let me uh, click forward here. Here we go. The most interesting man in the world. There we go. Last week, as we dove into this, Glenn talked to us about, he told us the story of a young King Solomon who God appears to and he offers him a request. He says, you can ask me for anything. Ask for anything. And Solomon says, anything at all? And he says, yeah. Solomon famously asked for wisdom. Wisdom to know God's will, to be able to hear God's heart even, uh, so he could be a blessing to the people, blessing to God's people, the Israelites, um, that he was ruling over. And because of his request, God said, not only will you be wise, but I will give you power and fame and riches and a long life as well. And so as we jump into chapter 4, I would invite you, if you've got a Bible, to open your Bible to 1 Kings chapter 4. There's a bunch of scriptures in your outline that we're going to stick to, but I want you to see as we move from 4 to the following chapters, and we're going to see that at the very core of success, any success, is wisdom. And wisdom brings success. 
Wisdom brings success. So let's look at how that worked itself out in Solomon's life. Because Solomon had great success. Here's the first way that Solomon had great success. Solomon had great success as a governor. He was the governor of all of Israel. And uh, Solomon never faced a recall election. You know what I'm talking about? Like they had Solomon all the way. Uh, let's jump into the text here this morning. In 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 20, it says, The people of Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. They were what? Oh, you got to preach with me. I can't do it alone. They were what? They were very contented with what? They were, had plenty to eat and drink. Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River in the north to the land of the Philippines and the border of Egypt in the south. They conquered, the conquered peoples, get this, of those lands sent tribute money to Solomon and continued to serve him throughout his lifetime. Solomon governed over what was the largest territory in all of Israel's history. And just like our governors or politicians, he had to manage and organize groups of people. He had a cabinet of people, so he would have had religious leaders. He would have had, uh, shoot, military leaders, economic uh, leaders. He would have had foreign policy advisors, all those people. And he ruled over this entire kingdom with wisdom and lots of prosperity. I mean, even the conquered people were continuing to send money and they were continuing to serve him. They were like, hey, if you got to be conquered, be conquered by Solomon because it's pretty great here. And so they, they continued to serve him. He was also skilled as an economist. Get this. He was also skilled as an economist. First Kings 4.24 says this. Solomon's dominion extended over all the kingdoms west of the Euphrates River to Tipash and Gaza, and there was what? Peace. Peace on all his borders. During the lifetime of Sol Solomon, all of Judah and Israel lived in what? And what else? Peace and safety. And from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, each family had its own what? Each family had its own home and garden. There was no financial crisis in Solomon's time. There was no 2009. There was no, uh-oh, we're worried. It wasn't like that. It was working. It was a time of absolute economic growth and prosperity. And this was before the government could just keep printing money whenever they wanted more money. They just print, print, print more money. That's not the case back then, right? And the government didn't just prosper, but even the people prospered there. It says each family had its own home and garden. That means every family had a house on a cul-de-sac with a pool in the backyard and an outdoor barbecue kitchen. You know the outdoor barbecue kitchen looks so awesome, right? They, they had uh, a new car in the, in the, in the garage. They had, a, uh, they had everything they could possibly want economically. They had an iPhone. Everybody had an iPhone. Everybody, you had an iPhone. Everybody gets an iPhone. iPhone for you, iPhone for you, iPhone for you. They all had everything they could possibly imagine economically, right? But I'm just getting started, people. I'm just getting started. He was also, uh, he was also an author, composer, scientist, and consultant. Are you getting the picture here? Author, composer, scientist, and consultant. It says in 1 Kings 4.32, he composed some, how many proverbs? 3,000 proverbs and wrote how many songs? There's four of you participating. I appreciate the four of you. Whoever you are, I appreciate you. He could speak with authority about what? 
All kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from cracks in a wall. He could also speak about what? And what else? And what else? And? And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon became an internationally known author. We only have a fraction of Solomon's writings in our Bible in the books of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes you might know about, but he was a prolific author, right? And after he picked up his Pulitzer Prize, he had to quick get over to the Grammys because he was nominated for Album of the Year. So he, he was doing all these things. I mean, the moment he put down his pen from writing, you know, authoring something, he immediately picked up a harp and started plucking out a gold record or two. That's what he did because he was a musical composer. So it, people would listen to the radio be like, that's my jam. Solomon's new single's out. It just dropped. Like, I, I, I love that song. And so Solomon's doing all of these things. But he was also a world-renowned scientist. Get this. He was an expert in botany, zoology, and marine biology. What? What? Like if, if you threw it up and you went, Solomon, quick, name this bird. Anybody? Anybody? No? Solomon would have been like, what is the Victoria crowned pigeon? You are correct. Right? But he actually got kicked off a of celebrity jeopardy, Solomon did. He had been the champion for like 100 weeks straight, and so they couldn't keep him anymore. It was still Alex Trebek hosting back then, if you didn't know that. Uh, so kings would send people to learn from Solomon. And, and at the feet of Solomon, Solomon would share his wisdom so it didn't bless just Israel, it blessed the entire world around him. But wait, there's more. Solomon was also an award winning architect and developer, an award-winning architect and developer. Uh, it says in 1 Kings 5, 5, so I am planning to build a what? A temple to honor the name of the Lord my God, just as he instructed my father David. For the Lord told him, your son, whom I will place on your throne, will build the temple to honor my name. Now, the temple Solomon built uh, for the Lord was one of the most Magnificent structures ever constructed in Israel's history. Um, it was, in, nothing that Israel ever constructed was even close to it. It was destroyed, and so we don't exactly know what it looked like, but there's an interesting thing about it. If, if, if it would have lasted, it would undoubtedly have been one of the ancient wonders of the world, this temple that Solomon built. It was destroyed, and we know from later on in Scripture that as Israel came back from captivity, they decided to rebuild the temple. And so under Ezra, they rebuilt this temple. And, and it was a beautiful temple. And, and it, was, you know, it was something in its own right. But it says in Scripture that when the older men came back and saw the new temple in place of the old temple, they wept openly at how pitiful it was compared to the original temple. So he built this temple. And then, and then he builds a palace. In 1 Kings 7, 1, it says this, Solomon also built a palace for himself, and it took how long? It took 13 years to complete the construction, which was twice as long as it took him to build the temple. So you can only imagine what his palace looked like. It would have been featured on the cover of Architectural Digest. It would have been in Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous or MTV Cribs if you're a little bit younger, right? It, it would have been in all those things. In fact, I heard that Chip and Joanna Gaines did the bathroom and the kitchen in it. They, they, this would have been a magnificent thing that was built there. Unbelievable, right? 
But they didn't stop there. Listen to 1 Kings 9, 19. It says this. He built what? Towns. He built entire towns as supply centers and constructed towns where his chariots and horses could be stationed. He built everything he desired in Jerusalem and Lebanon and throughout his entire realm. I don't know if you guys have seen this. In the last couple of weeks, I've come across this on the internet. Walmart, an an ex-Walmart guy, billionaire, Mark Lohr, he wants to build a new city from scratch somewhere in the U.S. And the city is called Telosa. Has anybody seen this? He's trying to build a new city called Telosa. And uh, it's from the Greek word telos, and it means highest purpose. And so he's designing this project, and he's trying to get it built in either Nevada, Utah, Idaho, Texas, Arizona, all the places where Californians are leaving, apparently, and, and, and Appalachia. It could be in the Appalachian region. And so they want to build this thing from scratch. And they've got all these sleek renderings. The next one shows like what street life would look like there. And uh, it's basically designed for pedestrians and bike usage. And then it will have self-driving cars that move throughout the city all the time that people can just get on or get off whenever they want to, to go wherever they want to. And, and the funny thing about it is he's trying to build this in the desert, starting with nothing, out of scratch. And and honestly, uh, they, they asked a, a university professor, and she said, well, he's not the first guy that's ever tried to build a utopian society, um, but she put his chances at next to zero. It's roughly zero that he'll actually achieve this. But get this, where everyone else has failed, Solomon succeeded. He built town after town after town in order to... Uh, perpetuate what he was doing in supply centers there. And he did it again and again and again throughout his realm. Now, he was also positioned as an international trader, right? International trader. First Kings 9, 26 says, King Solomon also built a what? A fleet of ships. He built a fleet of ships at Izion Geber, a port near Eloth in the land of Edom, along the shore of the Red Sea. Hiram sent experienced crews of sailors to sail the ships with Solomon's men. They sailed to Ophir and brought back to Solomon some, how much? 16 tons of gold. Now, prime two-day delivery was not Amazon's idea. Solomon was doing it back in his time. He built an entire trade route where they, where they delivered this gold. And, and so I want to make sure you're getting the picture. The whole thing, the whole reason I'm painting this picture is this. I want you to understand something. Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, chumps. Chumps compared to Solomon, okay? And, and that's saying something. But he, but he was uh, unbelievably successful and influential. But I'm still not done. I'm still not done. He was also a doctor of love. That's right. Solomon had a PhD in sexy. I'm telling you right now, Okay. Uh, he wrote a book in our Bible about love and sex. It's called Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. And Hebrew boys were not allowed to read it until they were 18 years old. By the way, you were a man in Hebrew culture. They made you a man at 13. And they were like, five more years, then you can read that book. Can you imagine walking in on your son? You're like, what are you doing, son? I'm reading the Bible, dad. What are you reading, son? Nothing, nothing. You know, you weren't allowed to read that at all. Um, listen to what it says. Hold on to your... Hats here. Song of Songs 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than mine. How fragrant your cologne. Your name is like its spreading fragrance. 
no wonder all the young women love you. Take me with you. Come, let's run. The king has brought me into his bedroom. Hoo-wee! Right? Right? I mean, if he was the most interesting man in the world, it would go like this. His charm is so contagious, vaccines have been created for it. He is the kind of man whose eye contact technically counts as a first date. He has never relied on mistletoe. He is the reason those nine ladies are dancing. He gave his father the talk. He is the most interesting man in the world. Solomon's the most interesting, not me. Solomon's the most interesting man in the world. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Here's the point, the whole point of all of this insanity. Ready? Here's the point. I want you to get it. God's wisdom is for every part of life. God's wisdom permeates every part of our world and every part of your life. This wisdom that God gave Solomon isn't just spiritual advice. He was truly a Renaissance man. Uh, Solomon did it all and, and he succeeded at it all. And this wisdom that God gave Solomon will bring success in all areas of life. We tend to think of the world in terms of spiritual and secular. It's like we do spiritual things over here and then secular things over here. It's like I go to church on, on Sunday morning, but that doesn't have anything to do with work on Monday morning. I, I, I go to youth group on Tuesday night or, or Wednesday night, but what does that have to do with geometry, geometry class on Thursday morning? Like, what does that have to do with that? And, and you think to yourself, uh, I, I'm, you know, I, it's all fine and good. Yes, love your neighbor. I get it, love you. But have you met my neighbors? Like, you don't mean at home my actual neighbor, do you? But the truth of the matter is, is that this wisdom, God's wisdom, there is no spiritual and secular. There is only Everything is spiritual. Everything is, everything is all one. And God's wisdom, this wisdom that he's given to Solomon and he offers to us through his word is, will bring you success in every area of your life. It'll bring you success in every area of your life if you listen to it. Now, I'm not saying you will be as rich or powerful or famous as Solomon. I'm not making that promise. But if you need wisdom right now on your finances, it's in there. It's in God's word. If you, uh, if you need wisdom on managing people at work, you can find that in God's word. If you're being bullied at school, you can find out how to deal with that with wisdom in God's word. If you're struggling with your marriage or, or parenting your kids, all of that is in there. You need to spice up your love life, your sex life. Awkward. But it's in there. It's in there. You can find it in scripture. And there's wisdom for that. And here's the thing. I'm, I just want to make sure we understand this. You will experience success when you follow God's wisdom. And you will experience pain and frustration when you ignore God's wisdom for your life in every area of your life. So here's the thing. When you are following God's wisdom and you're experiencing success, I want you to see that success brings influence. Success brings influence in the areas of your life. In 1 Kings 4.31, it says this. His fame, Solomon's, spread throughout all the surrounding nations. And Solomon's life serves as an instruction as to what we're supposed to do with godly wisdom, right? And we're going to see later on 
ways that we can get in trouble if we ignore godly wisdom. But there is this climactic scene in Solomon's life in chapter 10 of 1 Kings. If you've got a Bible or a device, would you crack it open and go to 1 Kings chapter 10? It's not in your notes because we couldn't fit it. But uh, I would love for you to read along with me in verses 1 through 9, chapter 10 of 1 Kings. Listen to this story as Solomon uh, has this encounter with the queen of Sheba. And it says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of who? The Lord. Brought honor to the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about what? Everything. Everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all of her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he had built, she was overwhelmed. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers, and the burnt offerings Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. She exclaimed to the king, Everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with what? Saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How what? How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise who? Praise the Lord your God who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness. The point is, is that wisdom brings success and success brings influence. Because of Solomon's Success, he has this audience with the Queen of Sheba. And it's not like he went to her, she sought him out, traveled and brought gifts and, and came in front of him and said, teach me, show me, let me understand. And she came to see him. And, and she, when she looked around, she saw the palace he was living in and the, the, uh, the officials who were working with him and the food and the clothing and the servants and, and every word of wisdom that came out of his mouth, it just made sense. And they brought her to one conclusion and one conclusion only. And it's this. Praise the Lord your God who delights in you. She saw God through Solomon's wisdom and success. Listen, it's easy to take credit for our success, don't you think? Like when we have a little bit of success, we like to say, yeah, I did that. Yeah, look at me. Yeah, well, I worked really hard for that. I don't, I, I'm, I, I don't know if you've noticed I'm, I'm sort of talented at that. Like, like, you know, look at me. And even when we're impressed with someone else, it's really easy to just attribute it to them. But the truth of the matter is, is that God built me the way he built me and all my success is because he built me the way he built me. And I can tell you, I don't have success outside of God's plan and his purposes. If I'm not listening to God's wisdom, I tend to crash and fail. Anybody else know what I'm talking about here? You have to apply God's wisdom if you're going to see that kind of success in your life. And so I want you to understand this because God's wisdom isn't for you. God's wisdom is for others. 
that they might believe, that they might see in you this wisdom and success that comes from God and they might go, what is different about that guy? And it's because he knows God. What if the point of all your success in your life was that somebody else might be walking into heaven with you? What if they saw your life and they saw your wisdom and they saw your success and they said, man, I want some of that. I want some of that. And your reply is, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about where I got this. Which leads me to, so what, Steve? What do we do with this? Um, don't you, do you want to be successful? Anybody here want to be successful? Oh, that's sad. The rest of you are not going to be successful. Nobody else. There we go. Thank you. Uh, you want to be, I want to be successful. Do you want to be interesting? How many people want to live an interesting life? There we go. I'll take that. The truth of the matter is, is you can do that um, through wisdom. That's how you can do it. I want to live my life like that. How do I do that? How can I be successful like Solomon? Well, the secret of success is this. It's one question. The secret of success says this. What is the wise thing to do? I was reading this little book and it talks about the most uh, important question ever. And the most important question ever is what is the wise thing to do? Because it talked about in this book, most of us, when we're looking at a decision or we're looking at a course of action, we're thinking, should I do this? Should I not do this? We don't ask, what is the wise thing to do? We don't say, I wonder what godly wisdom has to say about this. What we know most of the time ask is we ask the wrong questions. We ask things like this. We say, is there anything wrong with doing this? We say, uh, uh, how can I get, how can close can I get to the line without actually doing something wrong? Like, can I, if I do this, I'm not actually technically breaking the, or even sometimes we'll say, well, how far over the line can I step of godly wisdom before I have to endure the consequences, right? What we should be asking is what is wise? What's wise? What's the wise thing to do? What is godly wisdom for this decision? And it's based on these three verses here. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like what, people? Don't live like fools. But like those who are wise. Make the most of what? Every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to to do. Some of you are facing this right now. You've got some decision on the horizon or some situation in front of you and you're not exactly sure what to do. And what you need to do is you need to uh, ask what is the godly wisdom for this decision? Because you're going to make your decision based on something. It's either going to be godly wisdom or you're going to base it on something else. Um, maybe for you, the situation right now is a, a sexual temptation or, or a problem in, in, in your world surrounding sexuality. You, you, um, and you're asking yourself the question, right? Um, I, you, here's the funny thing. You know what you should do, don't you? We always know what we should do. I, nobody has to talk you into what you should do. Do you know that? Like, you should eat more vegetables. Everybody goes, yeah, you should eat more vegetables. You should be working out. You should be, you should be uh, saving a little bit of money for a rainy day. Yeah, I know, I know. You never have to talk yourself into the should-dos. But there's things in our lives that we're like, but, but what if I, it would be okay if I just, if I. And we have that moment, right? Um, I try to read, um, 
I try to read a chapter of Proverbs every day. Anybody know about this? There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Solomon wrote Proverbs is filled with wisdom. Every day, if you read just one chapter that correlates with that day of the month, you get a dose of wisdom as you start your day. So every day you would, you would read a chapter of Proverbs. On the fifth of the month, every fifth of the month, I am reminded it is not wise to cheat on my wife. It's not wise to cheat on my wife. Proverbs 5 talks about the immoral woman. Listen to what it says. Proverbs 5, 5 says this. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. A couple verses later, it says this. Listen to what happens if the immoral woman gets a hold of you. Stay away from her. Don't go near the door of her house. If you do, you will lose your honor. And you will lose to merciless people all you have achieved. Strangers will consume your wealth. And someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. In the end, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. Right? You will say how I hated discipline if only I had not ignored all the warnings. There are consequences to cheating on my wife. It is not wise to cheat on my wife. By the way, have any of you met my wife? She would kill me. Is, is what would happen, right? Yeah, see, look at that nod. I would, I'd kill you. But that's the truth. And every fifth of the month, I'm like, oh yeah, it's the fifth of the month. Don't cheat on Nicole. I got you, okay. Uh, you move on. But for some of you, maybe you're not married yet and, and you're looking for wisdom and you know what God would have you do, right? And, but you think to yourself, but hey, everybody's doing it. I mean, so we're just gonna move in before we get married. I mean, I mean, nobody really waits for sex, for marriage, you know, anymore, do they? I mean, here's my question. You want to obey God's wisdom? Or do you want to obey your wisdom? Or the world's wisdom? How's that going to work out for you? When you're looking back from a disastrous breakup or, or, or a marriage that is like broken, hopelessly, you may look back and think, how in the world did I get here? So many people look back and they think, how in the world did I get here? And the truth of the matter is, is you knew God's wisdom and you ignored it anyway. And then you look at it and you say, and, and it just came back to bite you. Maybe it's success. Maybe you're trying to succeed. I mean, maybe it's a business you're building or, or maybe the company you're working in. You just want to climb that corporate ladder. You want to get to, to the next level. And, and you think to yourself, well, I may just have to stab a few people in the back on the way. Or, or I may have to neglect my family or, or, my, or my marriage a little bit for a while. Uh, or you think to yourself, well, I'm, I'm not going to go off the rails. But in this one thing, maybe I'll just trade a little bit of my integrity in order to, you know God's wisdom. I don't even need to tell it to you. You know it. Are you going to listen to God's wisdom or are you going to listen to your wisdom? Are you going to listen to the world's wisdom or are you going to listen to God's wisdom? What's your choice? Because you may look back at a path in your career that is filled with carnage and regret and a broken family because you were never home and you're going to go, what in the world? What is the wise thing to do? Maybe it's building wealth. By the way, I want to make sure there is nothing wrong with building wealth. There's nothing wrong with building wealth. In fact, I would argue that if you follow godly wisdom in your finances, it's hard to stay poor. It's hard to stay poor. If you follow godly uh, wisdom in your finances, you will succeed. I don't know how else to say that, except I want to say it simply. Um, At the end of the day, follow God's wisdom. Jesus talked about money all the time. Solomon talked about and knew about money, and he talked about it all the time, right? It's a thing. 
But here's the thing. If you go with some other, somebody else's wisdom and you start spending more than you make and you go deeper and deeper into debt and you refuse to, well, I'm not going to tithe. I'm not giving that much back to God because he so graciously provided it to you. And if you ignore generosity, even though you know God's calling you to that kind of generosity, you can imagine what will happen, right? It's not going to work out wherever. You want the world's wisdom or you want God's wisdom? Are you going to do it your way or are you going to do it God's way? Wisdom says do it God's way and you will see success. It is the secret to success. Now, Before we go, I want to leave you with something positive. I want to leave you with something exciting and something filled with opportunity because so many of you are already successful at something. Look at the person next to you. Look at that person next to you and go, you're successful. Say, you know you are. Stop being modest, right? Yeah, there's so many of you that are already successful in so many different things in your, in, your, in your world. And I want you to see the opportunity in that. Maybe you're successful at leadership. Man, you're a leader in your organization. Maybe you have some organizational detail gifts and, and you can do that better than other people. Maybe it's project management and you know how to make things fall into line and work. Maybe it's technology. People say, this doesn't work and they hand it to you and you can fix it because you've got that. Maybe it's real estate or it could be anything, performing arts, your gift in that way. What I want you to do and what I see in this scripture is that it is our job to take those gifts and that success and godly wisdom as it's applied to our areas and take it to every sector of our world. We should take it to government. We should take it to business. We should take it to education. We should take it to the creative arts. We need to use godly wisdom and the success and the gifts that God has already given us and put them into all those areas. Ready? Here's what I want. I want you to do what you do well. Do what you do well. Proverbs 29, 22, 29 says, Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Do what you already do well. Apply God's wisdom to what you're already doing well and watch God use you to influence others. So do what you do well for the glory of God. Do what you do well for the glory of God. Colossians 3 says this, Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for who? The Lord, working for the Lord and rather than for people. And remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is who? Christ, that's who we're working for. So do what you do well for the glory of God. And, and when you're seen working hard and in your giftedness and applying all of God's wisdom, you'll see that when you do what you do well for the glory of God and then point people to Jesus. Point those people to Jesus because people who see God's people succeeding and living life well according to God's wisdom, they want to know why. They want to know why and you can point them to Jesus. Matthew chapter 12 says this and it's a direct reference back to this Solomon uh, and Queen of Sheba thing. It says, the Queen of Sheba will also stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it for she came from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Now, Someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. Listen, Solomon may have been the most interesting man in the world, but Jesus Christ is the most interesting man in history. Nobody has ever been like Jesus. Even if you are not following Jesus, you are checking out the claims of Jesus here at church today, let me tell you something. No one will deny that in the history of history, no one has been more interesting or influential than the person of Jesus Christ. And you have to ask the question, why? 
Read his words in the gospel. Read the words of Solomon in those books of wisdom, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and ask yourself the question, if I live by these words, will my life reflect the success that I'm talking about here? I guarantee you it will. It's the secret to success. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful for so many words of wisdom in your, in your Bible, God, that you gave us these words of wisdom through your servant Solomon, God, that Jesus gave us so much more in the gospel, ways to think about what it means to live in every area of our life, Father God. Father, I pray that as we listen to your wisdom that you would get, grant us success, that we would be able to make a difference in the areas of our world that we can point people to your son, Jesus, God. I pray that that success would lead us to influence and that influence would lead people to you and to your son, Jesus Christ, that they might see everything that we see just in them and that we might live that way, that others might know your son, Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his powerful name. Amen.